Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Suck. I'm so glad you're joining me today. On this podcast, you're going to hear messages that will challenge you to live out the purpose that God has created for you. I will always tell you, you were created on purpose, for a purpose, to impact the kingdom. And that's exactly what you will hear today. <laughs> um, so earlier today, just not very long ago, just a few minutes ago, actually, I was um, walking around the church and I was having a conversation with um, a couple of the guys that work here at the church. And we were talking about, and Amanda was involved in the conversation too, and we were talking about surprises. And who likes surprises? Anybody like surprises? Y'all like surprises? Okay, so I'm not a fan of surprises. I'll just be real honest. So we were having this discussion about surprises and like whether we like them or not and why or why not we, we like whether, like what's the reasoning behind why one likes surprises or doesn't like surprises, okay? So you're gonna get a little insight into me. I don't like surprises. I mean, if you were to like throw me a surprise party, I would be like, oh my gosh, but I would probably act really awkward because I don't know, I'm like, I wouldn't know what to, how to like act. Like it's just, I don't know what to do with that, right? But more than anything, like if we're watching, if my husband and I are watching a TV show or a movie and it's like very suspenseful, I want to know right then what the ending's going to be. I, I don't want, I don't want there to be a surprise. Like I will pick up my phone and Brad's like, don't Google it. Do not Google the ending. But I will Google the ending so I can read it because then I can watch the rest of the movie in like peace, even if it's like, like not the ending that I want. Like I still, at least I can be like, okay, I know what's gonna happen. And then I can enjoy the rest of the show. So I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. I watch sports. If you don't know that about me, I'm a huge avid like sports fan. I may not be able to cook, but like five meals, but I can tell you lots of things about the Dallas Cowboys. And then and anything from the 90s sports, okay? Um, so that was sort of how I was raised, but I love sports. And so Hugo was asking me, like, so if you could know ahead of time if the Dallas Cowboys gonna, were gonna win or lose their game, would you still want to know? I'm like, absolutely. Because then I could sit there and analyze and enjoy the game, whether they're gonna win or lose, and enjoy, like, analyze, oh, this is why they were gonna lose, right? And this is why they're gonna win. And that's just my personality. But when I know the ending of something, right? When I know how something's gonna, like, the end result, then I, like, can just, even if it's not something that I necessarily wanted, but even when I know the end result, I can relax. And I'm like, okay, this person is gonna survive this TV show, thank you, Lord. Which, has anybody ever done that with TV shows? You're like, get really caught up in a character and you're like, oh God, help them. Like, it's just silly. I do that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, but I mean, I think a lot of us like that. When we feel like we know the end results of something, then from where we are to the end result, we can relax a little bit and enjoy the process a little bit more. And so I kind of want to talk to you about that tonight. And honestly, that wasn't even the story I was going to open with. And I tell you, I, I try to plan stories to open with, and I almost never have them. And I had one, and it wasn't very good. And so then while I was sitting here, we were singing, God was like, hey, you just have this they just had this conversation, let's talk about that. So that's how that story came up. Like, but so I'm gonna to talk to you today about joy and about peace, and we'll get to how that all ties together. But like I just said, we can enjoy stuff when we know the end results, right? So I wanna to read to you a scripture out of Romans. It's Romans 15, 13, and it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace 
and trusting so that you may overflow in, with hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to focus on the first part of the scripture, and it says, Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in trusting. So Paul writes this scripture. He's writing it to the Romans because it's in the book of Romans. And he's writing to the Romans, and he's talking to them about the Gentiles also being saved and that there's unity and that we can all have peace and hope because God's got this all taken care of. But he speaks and he calls God by a specific name, and he calls him by the God of hope. And so if you've heard me teach hardly at all, you probably have heard me quote Psalms 9:10, and it's those who know Adonai's name, they trust him. And that scripture I didn't tell them, so it's not in, on there. But I preached a whole message on that particular scripture, and it's when we know his name, we can trust him. So Paul calls him by a specific name, God of hope. But like when we know God is Jehovah Shalom, he is our peace, then we know he's working as our peace on our behalf. And when we know him as Jehovah Rapha, our healer, when we call him by that name, we can trust that he's working as our healer in our life. So Paul calls him by a very specific name, the God of hope, meaning he's wanting the God of hope to do something active and work in their lives. And when we call on the God of hope, that means we're calling on him to do something via that name, God of hope, in our life. So hope is like God is, the God of hope is the one that gives us this feeling of expectation, this feeling of something bigger, something, something more. Hope is an actual expectation or desire for a certain thing to happen. So the God of hope, what does the God of hope do? The God of hope puts something inside of you, each one of you, that gives you this de desire and this expectation that a certain thing is going to happen. He gives us dreams, he gives us visions, he gives us promises, and these things are things that he puts deep inside of us, and it, the God of hopes plants something deep inside of us, so it gives us something to hold on to, something to long for, something to expect. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for God knows the plans that he has for us. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares Adonai, plans for shalom or peace and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. That is the God of hope speaking to the Israelites in that scripture. He gave them a plan. He has plans of hope and future for them. He planted something. They were actually in captivity when Jeremiah writes this. The Israelites were in captivity. And when Jeremiah writes that, and God is speaking through Jeremiah to tell them, I'm, I'm the God of hope, and I'm speaking. I have something planned for you. So it gave them this hope of something to come, right? So that's what the God of hope does. So the God, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. So joy and peace are two words we hear a lot this time of year, right? During the Christmas season, we hear joy to the world. I won't sing it for you. And peace on earth. These are like these super common phrases that we hear. We probably, like some of us probably even have them like in our home. Like I have a whole like farmhouse wooden cutout of the word joy and it sits on my coffee table. Like we have these things all around us. But um, these two things, particular joy and peace, are something that we desire and that we long for, whether we realize it or not. So believer or not, every person on the face of this planet desires to have joy and have peace. 
There are two of the fruit of the Spirit, so we have nine fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so as being created in God's image, and image bearers of, of his character, we were planted deep inside of us these nine fruits of the Spirit. And so when we're, we're created to produce those fruits so that we can bear and reflect his image. So when we're not bearing joy and peace, then we're kind of like, not living up to, we're always going to be at an unrest because we're not living up to what God has planned for us. So, may the God of hope, right, fill you with all joy and peace in trusting. So trusting is where this scripture gets a little tricky, right? Because it's so fluffy to be like, oh, the God of hope, he's so, he gives me all these things that I can dream about and really want, and it's so beautiful and lovely, and it's joy, and it's peace, and, but then it's like, interesting. That's when it's like, okay, Paul, cuts kind of close there, like, you're, you're getting serious, Paul. Are you doing this to us? Trusting is believing that God's, that God will do what he said he will do, knowing that he will perform every dream, every vision, every promise, every word, everything that he's spoken in and over your life. Trusting is knowing that he will make all those things come to pass. Luke 16, 17 says this. It is easier, oh, I was going to see, I was going to see, that. yeah, but it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for a single seraph or yod, or it's even just a tiny mark in the Hebrew language of the Torah to fail. Meaning it is easier for everything to be destroyed than for his word to fail. Meaning when he says something about you, over you, promise, it is easier for that to come to pass than it is for, I mean, it's easier for the whole world to disintegrate than it, like, does that make sense? That that is going, his word is going to be accomplished in your, in your life. But we have to trust that it's going to happen. And when we trust in the God of hope, then we're filled with joy and peace. See, like I opened with that silly story, but like I can, like it's like when I know the end of what's going to happen, then I can rest easy when I rest, watch the rest of this stupid movie that I'm, whatever it is that I'm watching, right? See, God says something specific about each one of us. One, we know how the whole world is going to end because when we're on his side, we know we're making it somewhere good, right? But we, so we know how it all ends. But we also know that the things, you can know what he has to say about you. You can know the promises, this end result of the things that he wants to do in your life. And then you can live in joy and in peace the whole time knowing that he is going to perform his word because we can trust him. And he, the God of hope has put something in you and we can trust him. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, in Luke chapter 1, so we see Romans, um, Paul talk about this in Romans, but we see it kind of take place applicably in Luke 1, and I'm not going to read the whole scriptures, but it's Luke 139 and 40 through 45, and what happens in this chapter is, um, if you haven't ever read this, I encourage you to do it, especially this time of year. It's such a beautiful thing to read because it's when Jesus is conceived. And, but prior to Jesus being conceived, Mary's um, a cousin, Elizabeth, is, becomes pregnant. 
and Elizabeth is old in age, and she's never been able to have a baby, and she becomes miraculously pregnant at an old age, and she's going to give birth to John, who becomes John the Baptist that leads the way for Jesus to come, right? And then Mary is miraculously, like miraculously conceives Jesus, and then they come together. Mary goes to meet Elizabeth, and they have this wonderful greeting that takes place, and John leaps inside Mary, of, of Elizabeth's womb when they meet, and they rejoice over one another. And Mary, like, says this whole praise at, at the end of the scripture, and it's just a beautiful chapter to read, to see what God does in these two women's life. But what happens here is we see Romans fulfilled. We see that the God of hope, God came to Zechariah and Elizabeth and was like, I got a child for you. He gave them some sort of hope. The God of hope came and said, I've got something for you. And the God of hope came to Mary and said, I've got something for you. And each one of these situations seemed really impossible. And it seemed like, oh, I don't know how that's ever going to happen. Like a virgin birth? What? I'm not even married. I don't even know what's going to happen here. I'm old. Mary, Elizabeth was old. How is this going to happen? But the God of hope spoke something. And when he speaks something, it's going to come to pass. And Mary and Elizabeth were able to greet one another full of peace and full of joy because they knew that their God would come through for them. Verse 45 of Luke 1, 45 says this. It's one of my favorite scriptures of all time. It says, blessed is she who trusted that there would be a fulfillment of those things spoken to her by Adonai, by the Lord. And Elizabeth is saying this to Mary when the scripture is written. Blessed is she who trusted that there would be a fulfillment of the things spoken to her by the Lord. The God of hope planted something so deep inside of them, and they trusted, and they believed that it would come to pass and they were filled with joy and peace, and they were able to celebrate one another and not compete with one another. They were able to celebrate with one another. And I'm just going to be real honest. There are women just like you and I. Oftentimes we put, like, people, um, Bible, like, people we read about in the Bible on these pedestals, right? Like, they're, like, superhuman. And Mary and Elizabeth weren't superhuman. They were just like you and I, right? And... But they had to trust that God would come through for them, or they would have thoughts like you and I probably have, like thoughts of fear that the promise might die, or that maybe something terrible would happen in the process, or maybe Joseph would leave Mary, or maybe Elizabeth would never see the fulfillment of her promise come to pass because she might passed away before, you know, in childbirth, which was a really common thing because she was old. There's all these kinds of things that could have gone through their minds. Think about the things that you think about because they're probably the things that they probably, the enemy was probably trying to torment them with because he has no new tricks. He's going to use it all the same against all of us, right? So they were probably tempted with these same thoughts, but they continued to stay focused on what God had said he would do because they knew he would perform it, and they were able to walk out the impossible journey of a virgin birth, and of a birth of old age, they were able to walk that journey out with joy and with peace because they trusted he would make good on his word. 
How often do we let the lies of the enemy, the concern of others, which we, I call the fear of man, or people-pleasing is a really common term for it, doubt or fear, anxiety, still the joy and peace of trusting God that he will fulfill every word that he has spoken over your life. We have a very, very real enemy that wants to come and steal your joy. We have this thing like, not today, Satan, right? You're like, sometimes we got to like put up, like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Not today, Satan. You're not stealing my joy. You're not stealing my peace because I know the promise and I know what he's spoken. And so I'm just going to keep trusting because the God of hope put something deep inside of me. Joy and peace are tied to trusting. Oftentimes, like, I, I, this is another woman thing that we all do. We try to make things happen on our own, right? We, like, finagle situations. Well, if I just do this or if I just do that, you know, then maybe it'll come to pass the way. But no, they didn't finagle. There was no finagling of virgin birth. Let's just be real honest. Like, ain't nobody going to finagle that mess, Right? Like, there's no, like, God wants to do the impossible in your life. He wants to do something so crazy and outrageous that only he could get the glory. So there's going to be no finagling and making it happen. He's going to fulfill it. When we try to, like, work things in, then we're just building up strife. Like, we're, like, has anybody ever felt like they're just striving so much? Like, I'm trying so hard. Like, girl, just slow down just a little bit. Quit trying so hard and let God do his thing. We become anxious instead of trusting that he will make good on his word. So how, what does trusting look like for us? Because I think it's, I'm big on practicality. How do we practically live out our spiritual life? So what does trusting look like? Because we can be like, oh, I trust God, but how do we put that into practice? So trusting for me looks like casting down thoughts that don't point to the promise. So when the enemy comes at me and fires a dirty dart at me, a fiery dart, and is like, hey, this promise isn't coming to pass. This will never happen. Your child will never be this. All these things. I have to cast those thoughts down instead of entertaining them. Oftentimes we are like, oh, I guess maybe you're right. Well, what if this? And then we start telling ourselves stories in our head. Instead, we've got to take that thought captive and place it at the feet of, at the cross, right? So that's what it does. But that takes, like, a lot of us tell ourselves these stories in our head and we like play these scenarios in our head and it becomes habit and we have to get ourselves out of the habit of making up things in our head and entertaining the lies. So trusting looks like quit entertaining the lies and casting these thoughts down and replacing them with what God says about you, about the promise, about what he's spoken over you and your family and your marriage and your finances over your life. Trusting looks like seeing the good and, the, and, and what looks like to be the opposite. We see this a lot with David as he was promised the throne, but he spent a great deal of time running from the throne, running from Saul. So oftentimes, it's going to look like we're going the opposite direction of what God promised, but even there, we have to continue to trust that that detour is going to lead us to what is rightfully ours. And, la and the other part is you have to pray and prophesy what God says not what we see. See, I have promises that are not fulfilled in my life. 
that are not fulfilled over my children yet because they're still growing and they're still working out their faith. But I'm going to continue to pray over them and I'm going to continue to prophesy what I know God said about each one of my children, even though it might not look like it right now, even though it may appear to be the opposite direction, whatever the promise might be, I will continue to pray and prophesy what I know God has said. That's what trusting looks like. Trusting him looks like casting down thoughts that the enemy throws at you. Trusting looks like seeing the good even when it's in the opposite direction. Trusting looks like continuing to pray and prophesy what God has spoken. If God can multiple times give somebody who was too old a baby, he can do what he says in your life. If God can give a virgin a baby, he can do the miraculous in your life. If he can make the blind see and the sick heal uh, and um, and heal the sick and he can raise the dead to life even after they've been dead for four days, if he can set the people free, then there is nothing that he can't do in your life. There is no promise that he can't fulfill if we trust him. So we can live in one of two ways. We can live in this anxious, striving, fear lane, or we can live in joy and peace. And it all comes down to one thing. Do we trust in the God of hope? Because I look at each one of you and I see beautiful women that, I will say it now, that you were created on purpose for a purpose to impact the kingdom. And God has spoken promises over each one of your lives to do something incredible, to impact somebody's life that could forever change their world. Sometimes these promises, though, God's like, I've got this for you over here. But you're all the way over here. But he's already told you what it's going to look like. So between here and there, you just keep trusting and keep trusting because then you can walk from A to B in joy and in peace because I don't want to live this life miserable. I want to live this life in joy and peace. Even it might be rough, even though I might grieve, even though I've been through some tough stuff, and so have you. I'm still going to have joy, and I'm still going to have peace among all those things because I know what he says will come to pass. God desires for you to walk this journey out in joy and peace. He doesn't want you walking it out in fear and anxiety. He doesn't want you getting to your promise and being like, oh, God, if I made it here, and like you've been the nervous wreck the whole time. He wants you to enjoy the process of getting to what he's promised you. He wants us waiting with full expectation and hope. So my son Harrison, he, like, we took him to um, the Dixie Stampede or the Dolly Stampede um, this summer. And he was so excited. He sat on the edge of his seat like he was so excited. God wants us to be like that, so excited for what's to come that we, and we can enjoy the whole process he doesn't want us just to be a nervous wreck the whole time and try to figure it out ourselves. He wants you to live your life in joy and at peace, trusting that he will perform what he said he would. So my question for you tonight is this. Are you living in joy and peace? And don't take this question like lightly. Amanda, you can come on up whenever you're ready. Don't take this question lightly because 
again, these are phrases, joy and peace are words we hear a lot this time of year, so it's easy to take words like that, real, like, oh, it's just joyful and it's so peaceful, like, oh, peace on earth. No, I'm, I, I, are you really living in joy and in peace? Or when you think about a promise, or you think about something that needs to happen in your life, are you living in a joy and in peace, waiting for that to be fulfilled? Are you truly living, are you living in anxiety, trying to convince yourself that you're full of joy? Are you really living in fear, trying to convince yourself that you are full of peace? Because we do that, we like, we're like, oh, I'm fine, I'm so fine. Lindsay calls me out every time, I'm like, I'm fine. And she's like, oh, you're fine? <laughs> you know, that's what we do. I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm have peace about it. But do you really? And maybe you do, and that's awesome. But I'm here to ask you, do you really have joy and peace over what God has said about you and about your life and about your marriage and about your finances? Do you really have joy and peace? Because he wants and desires for you to enjoy the journey that he has for you, even though it might be hard, and even though it might be tough. He wants you to walk in the fruit that he has planted in you in joy and in peace. So what is it that you're trusting God for? What is it that you're trusting him for? And do you have joy and peace as you're walking out this process to see your promise fulfilled? Thanks for joining me on the Flourish podcast. You can find more information about Flourish Gathering at flourishgathering.co or hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts so you don't miss another episode.